have a dream that all men are created G'day everyone, welcome back to Your Story. I'm your host Ian Kath, this is episode 60. Do you know who you are? Are you comfortable in your own skin? Do you know exactly what you're about? Or are you in a state of transition? That's what today's show's about. Somebody who originally was something and has decided to become someone else. It's an interesting story, and I look forward to hearing what you think about this particular episode. It's one of those stories that I've often wondered about myself. How would you feel if the fundamental you had to change profoundly, and how would you deal with it? How would I deal with it? I don't know, but this is a story of somebody who has had to deal with it. As I've mentioned many times before, I'm working very diligently over at Create Your Life Story to help get people to understand how easy it is for them to record their own life stories. I've been spending a lot of time over there and I haven't been spending so much time over here at Your Story. But today I've managed to get out two episodes, one for Your Story and one for Create Your Life Story. So it's really quite exciting to be able to get out two podcast episodes in one day. But I still want to keep doing your story and there are so many wonderful stories out there that I have yet to get and I still have to find these people and I'm constantly working at it and I look forward to finding more people and discovering more stories and sharing them with you out there. I'd love to know what your thoughts are also. If you want to come to the site at yourstorypodcast.com and let me know your thoughts or send me an email at chat at yourstorypodcast.com. You can let me know anything you like about what you've heard or any advice that you'd like to give me. I'm always open to some welcome advice on how to do things better. While you're at the site, you can get the music that I've used in this episode from IOTA Alliance, where all the music comes from on IOTA Promo Net. The links are at the end of the show notes. You can also share this with other people. You can burn a CD, you can stumble, you can dig, you can get it out there to other people and share it around. As a matter of fact, one of the episodes, the one that I did a few episodes back with Tiffany, the private investigator who is here in Brisbane, her episode got picked up by Stories of Our City and was republished. They edited it down into about 10 minutes and they published just the uh, essence of what Tiffany had to say on storiesofourcity.org if you want to hear some more amazing stories, particularly from the Middle East, which is a little bit different to what we're doing, which is a little bit Australian-centric here at Your Story. You can hear a few stories, short stories, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes long from people all through the Middle East and, uh, and listen to some other great stories. And a great story is how do you deal with the differences that reside in you when you feel in your very essence, that there is something that isn't quite right about who you are inside compared to how you express yourself physically. How would you deal with those sort of things? How would you deal with having to transition, having to change, how to become something other than what people know you as, but what you know that you really are inside? How do you deal with that? How do you negotiate the landscape? And, and then once you'd make the decision to actually do it, 
what's the process involved in doing it and what is the potential outcomes for how you deal with that today's episode is about doing the transgender the transsexual becoming another gender how do you deal with progressing from being male being a bloke living and working as a boy and a man and becoming a woman how do you deal with that i don't know Let's find out what Lorelai thinks. This is her story. Fourth of March, 2011. Sitting in a bar with Lorelai. G'day, Lorelai. Hi. Welcome to your story. And what is your story? Because. A friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, mentioned on Twitter something about you. And I went to your site and I went, hello, you're a very interesting person because you've had some particular challenges with life, haven't you? Um, yeah, I guess. Well, how old are you, first of all? I'm, I just turned 25, actually, on Sunday. Did you? Oh, okay. I turned um, much more than that very soon, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, happy birthday. Thanks. Happy birthday. Um, you're 25, you're living here in Brisbane. Yeah. You're studying at the moment? Uh, yes, I'm studying a Bachelor of Health Science. Okay, what do you hope to be when you get that? Um, well, it's um, the kind of brackets on the health science is um, naturopathy. Okay. Um, so I'll be a naturopath, which I, don't know, I guess is like a bit alternate or complementary yeah. medicine. Yeah, um, so you, which, is, which part of it are you particularly interested in? Herbalism, acupuncture? Um, um, mostly or, towards sort of herbal and nutrition, but also okay. a bit more esoteric sort of energy healing and okay, a, a bit, bit of Reiki, Reiki and stuff yep. too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. You enjoying it? Yeah, I'm loving it actually. How long have you been studying that? Um, one year. This is my second year. Okay. Well, I hope you go well with it. It'd be about four years, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah. four. Okay. Well, good on you. So you're studying that here in Brisbane, but you're not local from in the Brisbane area, are you? Where no. did you come from originally? Um, I grew up in right at the very tip of northern New South Wales, um, in Mwilumba. Okay. Which, um, I guess my usual point of reference is Byron Bay, which everyone seems to know. And it's the far eastern point of the Australian continent. That's the one. That's right, that's right. And it seems Gemma Rose, who we had on the podcast a few, oh, about... 15 episodes ago, 10 or so episodes ago, she came from that part of the world as well, eh? Um, apparently, yeah, yeah, from what I've spoken to her on. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting, you know, it's a small town, Brisbane, really. What age were you when you left that part of the world? I would have been, I had just turned 23. Oh, so only fairly think, recently. So two years ago. Okay. Were you married at the time? Because I noticed on your blog that you were married. Um, yes, I had been married for about three months at that point, oh. and we had just split. Really? So it was quite a short marriage. Okay, okay. Um, was it a challenging marriage? Um, it was a lot, I guess. We'd been together for five and a half years before that, okay. um, ever since high school. Um, and we'd already been kind of having issues, but marriage is kind of this freight train, and it once is. it gets started, like... Yeah, it was sort of hard to pull it up. And then once we were married, we realised that it was probably not the best thing. And, and it just kind of exploded. And is that because of this dynamic that is in your life? Um, that was a big part of it, yeah. I can well imagine. Did he understand the situation? 
um, she... Sorry. Um, did she understand that part of the situation? Um, she knew about it, but did not really understand or sympathise right. much at all and really struggled with it. And were you open about it from the beginning? Or were you in denial yourself? Um, a bit of both, oddly enough. It would sort of come up at odd times and then I'd try and repress it and then it would sort of come up again. But I guess in that last year I tried to be a bit more open about it and that's when things really sort of got shaky. And, uh, yeah. 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 So this wasn't a lesbian relationship, was it? Not at the time, no. No. So what's the story? What's the crux what's of this? The what's, the, what's this amazing journey that you're on? Um, I guess that would be my transition from male to female. It would be. Um, yeah. It's interesting, just sitting here already, I think of you as female. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, I guess, yeah, most people say that now. Um, I read your very last post before I came out this afternoon about mm -hmm. how it's sitting at uni. They, you're one of the girls. Yeah, definitely. It's um, starting to just become that automatic thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does that please you? Yeah, I guess um, that's kind of the whole point um, in the end. It sort of, it almost snuck up on me a bit. Yeah. I guess there's always kind of, you have these sort of visions in your head of what your life is going to be and you want to be a specific thing and then it sort of happens and you're like, oh, well, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it must be a, it must be an extraordinary journey to be on. Mm. So, when did you decide to make this transition? Um, officially, I decided it would have been about a year and a half ago. Um, and I'd been living in Brisbane for a few months and sort of trying to consolidate everything that was going on in my head and just thought, by God, I'll go for it and either be a success or a spectacular failure and yeah and you were part way through it yes um, just sort of at the um, hormonal therapy stage at the moment right right take us back take us back to the beginning to the beginning yes um, so your mum and dad bring this little boy home from the hospital yeah and you're growing up as a boy yeah and some where there must have been something that went, hello. I don't know, I kind of, it kind of snuck up on me a bit gradually. Um, and I can sort of look back, like retrospectively, and sort of, like there are a few little clues. Um, I think when I was about six years old, was maybe the first time I'd ever tried on a dress. And it, it just kind of felt right. It's a really hard feeling to explain. Mm -hmm. um, and this and isn't just playing dress-ups. This actually felt right. Is it something... Because yeah, it was, I, I remember getting into dresses when I was two, three, five years old. Yeah. But it was dress-up. It was a silly little game. You know, it never... Yeah, you know, um, I never resonated with rightness or anything. Was there something different yeah. going um, I don't know. I guess, like... Um, I had never really grown up through that young childhood thinking about those clothes, but once I sort of had tried that dress on and sort of thought about it, I was like, oh, like I actually feel much more drawn to that female side of things than the male side. It's kind of a hard feeling to explain, sure. other than just like an insistent urge that 
that that is the right way and what I was in currently was not quite the right way. Towards the end of your childhood, was there anything going on? And I don't mean adolescence here, I mean childhood. I had a bit of a lonely childhood. I can sort of remember when I was very young, always wanting to play with the girls. This kind of that separation where the girls just want to be with the girls and the boys just want to be with the boys. And one of my best friends had just moved and I was kind of alone and didn't really have anyone. Right. And so I sort of spent primary school just drifting in and out of different friendship groups, sort of as the circumstance arose. And a lot of people resonate with that. A lot of people resonate with feeling um, out of the loop during their childhood. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And adolescence, how was that? That was strange and confusing, um, I think. And it's odd because that disparity between like wanting to be male or female was kind of there, but I think I'd kind of learned to sort of push it down a lot. And I would cross-dress at times, like I would try on women's clothes or sort of have different times if I'd be in the house alone and I'd sort of pretend to be a girl or whatever. But at the same time, I also enjoyed being a boy. What did you like about being a boy? I don't know, I guess once I'd sort of figured out how to be a boy a bit better, it just, it was a, you know, like there were aspects of being enjoyable. I will admit, like that sort of rough and tumble side um, wasn't always a bad thing. And but a lot of girls like being a tomboy too. Well, that's true. And I guess, I think that was about the age when I first read an article in a newspaper about a transsexual and someone going from male to female. And that really resonated. I thought, like, reading that was almost like having part of my story reflected back at me, but, like, 20 years in the future. Um, and at that point, I kind of clicked that maybe that was somewhere I was heading. And so I sort of probably headed away from that for a while. Sort of growing up in a small-town Catholic household, it was it's definitely not something you want to be a part of. Mm. Um, and, you know, when the whole puberty thing hit, I kind of got excited about having a, a really deep, booming voice and growing a beard and those kind of male accoutrements. And did you embrace that? Did you become a bloke? I did for a while. Yeah? I, um, I grew a goatee when I could um, and had this really deep voice, um, which... Is quite a bit deeper than what you have now? Definitely deeper. I can't even reach um, that pitch anymore. And I can try, but it sort of hurts. Um, and then I left high school and became an electrician in a sugar mill of all things. I sort of had the option between doing an apprenticeship or studying and chose this apprenticeship at the local sugar mill where Dad worked and spent five years being very blokey. I can relate to it. I'm a tradesman myself. Um, I did my time in a foundry. Oh. So certain similarities of heavy industry. You know, yeah. very sit around the smoko table, yeah. Definitely. Flick through the magazines, you know, tell yarns. Yeah. Things that a lot of women have never seen. Mm. Yeah. Where was where was Lorelei during all of this period? Was she just bubbling where away in the Lorelei? background? Um, or was she just absent? I guess. Mm. It's an interesting question, like I've never I've never quite thought of it as two separate identities. Like, I've often thought um, of my former self as, like, the foundation of who I've become. Um, but it's not like there was a specific personality, like an entire personality I repressed. It was just kind of aspects of 
presentation and mannerism, I guess, that are sort of changed to try not to give away the fact that in my head I felt quite female. So even while you're doing the sugar mill sparky thing, you were, there was an element of you that felt very feminine. Definitely. And it's interesting how much I got away with at the mill. Because even in, say, like the year or two before I moved to Brisbane, um, I'd started growing my hair out long under the thinly disguised attempt to just have long hair for the sake of it before I went bald like Dad. And then I started wearing nail polish, and I'm not even sure how that started. I remember a, a girl had painted my nails once when I was about 11 or 12, and it had just kind of stuck in my head. And one day I was just at the shops and saw some nail polish and thought, bugger it, I'll buy some. And just started painting like my little fingernail, and then it just kind of spread, and I started painting all my fingernails. And there were a few awkward weeks at work when, you know, like the bosses would come up and say, like, what's with the nail polish? And I'd just sort of tell them I liked the colour or just liked being a bit flashy or whatever, and they sort of accepted it. And so I started, you know, even letting things out in small ways um, that way. Did they or you think you were gay? At the time, no one had ever come up to me and asked if I was gay. And um, I guess that sort of male-to-male -male homosexuality never even really crossed my mind. Sexuality has always kind of been like the least part of my transition and has tended to be the least part of most of my inclination. Did you ever wonder if you were gay? No, I guess. No. I was always kind of into women and definitely avoided even thinking about men. Um, which I guess a lot of that came from that kind of Catholic upbringing and not wanting to go against nature or whatever I was thinking at the time. It used to be quite homophobic. Isn't that interesting? Um, it is. I was like quite overtly homophobic at times, which may have partly been a defense against what was brewing in my mind. But it's interesting because I liked women and I sort of knew to some extent that I had a bit of a female mind. So I almost started considering myself lesbian, like even while I was still male and like well before transition, it was something that was sort of coming up. I was like, you know, I feel quite feminine when I'm making love and I really sort of want to be a part of that receptive kind of role. And yeah, I wasn't quite sure what to make of that. Oh, I can get that. That's just very confusing. <laughs> I completely understand yeah. the confusion. Yeah. So, okay, so small country town, working as a bloke, doing the electrician thing, you know, like it's classic, you know, I, I yeah. can relate to this, I really can, you know. mm. This is how I spent my formative years. And you fell in love and got married. Yeah, and I guess I, like, we've been split for two years, and to a large extent I still am in love with her. And I don't know if that's just that whole first love thing that gets embedded, and she's pretty much been like the one relationship I've ever had. Are you still yeah. mates? Not at all. Oh, um, really? It, she kind of took the breakup really badly and all the events that led to the breakup and sort of the perceived deceptions and stuff. Yeah. Um, so she doesn't really want to be a part of my life anymore, which I can kind of understand. It would be a bit distressing, I guess. Especially, especially if she fell in love with this bloke. Yeah, definitely. That's right. That period where you know about the procedures, 
the operations. You must yeah. have started picking up a little bit of subliminal information around the place yeah. during those years. How did that coalesce out of the fog? And how did you make sense of an alternative reality for yourself? Um, well, I guess, like most things these days, it started online. It just kind of built up. Like, I, you know, I was with her, and but also very much wanting to sort of engage with this feminine aspect side of me and would occasionally still cross-dress but keep it very much hidden and very secretive. And often at that stage there was a bit of a, like a thrill to it almost. Like I kind of felt it wasn't quite right to feel that excitement, just over clothes. Like I wasn't comfortable with calling it a fetish or anything. Um, and after a while it just got too much so I wanted to explore it. So I sort of went online and sort of explored the whole cross-dressing scene online I guess. And sort of through that began to get exposure to the transsexual side of things. That's right, because a lot of cross-dressing isn't transsexual, transgender, is it? It's just no. It's a lot just of a, people just. It's just um, a, a way. Yeah, barely, people, barely, you barely call it a fetish. It's just a. No, I guess for some people it's a fetish, and for some people it's almost like a form of relaxation. Yeah. Or yeah. It's just kind of their thing. Yeah. And there's nothing confusing about it. No. Um, and I guess as I was exploring that, um, I sort of wanted to start cross-dressing more just to try and figure out where my headspace was and like why I wanted to dress in those clothes and stuff. And as I did it more and as I started thinking about it more, I realised um, there was this very feminine component of me um, and a lot of memories from childhood were resurfacing and I sort of toyed with the idea that in my mind at least, I might be female, or a woman rather. Sort of as I thought that, that excitement I was feeling over the clothes just dropped almost instantly, almost became something that was appropriate, like, almost like I was dressing how I should be rather than like in my male clothes, for instance. And that very much started the process of sort of consolidating my identity. Were you able to cross-dress in public? before you went further down the path? I guess before I moved to Brisbane, um, I don't think I ever did beyond having the nail polish and occasionally putting my hair in pigtails, which just made everyone think I was bizarre. Yeah, but um, hey, we're talking about the Northern Rivers. People are allowed well, to be bizarre around that part of the true. world. <laughs> um, and yeah, once I moved to Brisbane, um, I guess technically it was cross-dressing, but I wasn't obvious about it. Like, I didn't wear dresses or skirts or sort of these overtly feminine um, clothes or anything. And just kind of... Doing the whole androgyny thing. Yeah, pretty much. A lot of sort of singlet tops or shirts that, you know, were a bit androgynous. And yeah. Yeah. Just sort of playing with that kind of style. Yeah. So no longer being masculine, but not being feminine. Yeah, some days... I tried to really um, emphasise the femininity and just failed horribly, you know, and at the time I thought, oh, you know, I look quite pretty or whatever, and looking back at those first now, I'd, I just looked horrible. But that'd have to be part of the journey, wouldn't it? The exaggeration of femininity and getting it wrong? Oh, definitely. Um, it's something I want to come back to later on in okay. this process because I think it must be more relevant now than it was yeah. even back then. It's a huge step. I remember, I'm a lot older than you, I grew up in the 60s. 
And I remember hearing about people in Sweden deciding yeah. to go the whole hog mm. and do the whole transition. And I remember being like eight years of age hearing about this and being flabbergasted. Yeah. More at the technical aspect of pulling it off, you know, like, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the cut and tuck operation, you know, like it's just yeah. phenomenal. And then as I got older, I started to realise that it's not so much that physical operation that's an issue or the mm. hormones, it's actually the mental change that you have to go through. Yeah. Take us through the journey of coming to oh. that point of going, I'm going to start down a particular path. Um, I guess for me, and for a lot of trans people I talk to... Um, and do you know quite a few? Yeah, I guess I know a few. Like, I'm not, I'm not hugely active in the trans community. I sort of am in some aspects, but more in the, um, like the youth trans community okay. as opposed to like the older trans people who have already um, gone through. But it's, very, it's almost about reaching breaking point. And I guess it's not something ever, like anyone ever really takes lightly, um, just because it is such a huge thing and has huge like social ramifications and physical ramifications. And you sort of have to be at the point where, um, like me for example, sort of I'll be okay for a week or two, and then I just have a rubbish week and I just be crying all weekend. I just felt like you know the world was collapsing about my ears and nothing was going right, and just sort of knowing in my head that I had this identity that was not being expressed because of social or peer pressure, it sort of felt like slamming my face into a brick wall almost. And so once I reached that point, I said, you know, something has to give. I have to let, you know, this aspect of myself out to be expressed or it's just going to start doing horrible things to me. I have heard of people being suicidal at that point. Definitely. Did you come close um, to that point? Possibly, though I've never, I've never actively contemplated suicide. I guess I was in a headspace where sometimes I'd kind of just want to go to sleep and just have pleasant dreams and never really wake back up into reality. Mm. Um, I've never particularly wanted to die, never even had a thought about how I would kill myself. But just being at that point where everything what? is such a struggle, like I can, you know, I don't condone suicide, but I can definitely understand how people to that point. More about removing yourself from the pain than actually going towards death. Yeah, definitely. Yes. It's like pushing up against a membrane, isn't it? Mm. You sort of, you push and you push and you push and then there must be a moment of release when it rips. Yeah. Do you remember that moment? I kind of do. I, I think there have been a few weekends. I think I'd gone on a trip. This was about April 2009. And I'd been on a trip for uni. Um, this was another art degree I was studying at the time. I was just having so much trouble trying to consolidate like what I wanted to express as to what I was trying to get hidden from those people. And then sort of went straight from there to another weekend away. And you know, probably exhaustion more than anything. And I just spent those two days just curled up in a bed crying. I thought, bugger it, I'm in this terrible state. So I just kind of emailed all my friends and just said, you know, you may have noticed I've been upset lately or just acting really odd and then just sort of said this is what's going on like, I actually think um, I have this transgendered um, thing going on where my mind is female and that you know I need to tell someone I need to start trying to figure out where it's going or possibly express it in some way. What was your reaction from the community? 
my friends at the time were really good about it. Like I told one particular circle of friends first, and most of them are either gay or queer or very queer friendly. Um, so I kind of thought that that would be a good starting point. Um, and of course they were totally accepting. They were just like, oh, well, of course, like, be who you want to be. And I guess I got very lucky in that aspect because not a lot of people who come out and say, I want to be a woman, actually have that kind of instantaneous support from people, which um, is an issue in itself. However, you probably resonated with that community, so you formed that community around you beforehand. Yeah, I guess it's a possibility. Did you have that in the Northern Rivers? I met a few of them on like trips to Brisbane from when I was living in Northern New South Wales, um, and I guess once I had moved to Brisbane, that was sort of my immediate friendship circles. Yes. Yeah, I just kind of slipped in there and met a lot more. So you're resonating with a community that would yeah. be respectful. Definitely. Did you speak to your family around this time? Or was that later? I think mum and dad had known because I told them about it. Dad was not accepting at all. Mum kind of accepted it as a possibility but was in like no way supportive at that time. And um, I guess they both latch onto this idea that I go through different phases. Um, like I'll tend to go for something for a few years and then switch to something else. And you know, I guess they were worried more than anything that I'd somehow been brainwashed by these friends in Brisbane and then I was just writing this woman thing and that I'd regretted in a year once I sort of came back to myself. And, yeah. So you decided to take the plunge. Let's dive in the deep end, eh, of the pool yeah. and embrace who your mind is, even though your body isn't, and become a woman. How does that, how do you do it? Um, I couldn't imagine you go down to the local chemist, pharmacy, <laughs> and say, excuse me, can you give me a set of pills? And Not quite. Do I, um, do I why women? Some, some people do that. Um, we'll get hormones from different sources. Um, not that that's recommended because there are really bad health issues um, with hormones. Um, I guess the standard procedure is to, at least in Brisbane anyway, there is a gender clinic. You sort of go to your doctor and say, I've got these transgendered feelings and I want to go to the gender clinic and get the referral um, and see the doctor there. And then there's kind of a psychiatric evaluation so I went to two sessions with a psychologist and then two sessions with a psychiatrist. Um, and some people have more. Um, the way it was explained to me, it's not entirely about diagnosing you as having gender dysphoria or anything. It's a lot to do with picking up if you have any concurrent mental issues. So that if they do say, yes, like we think um, you're suitable to transition, um, there's no other factors that are really going to impinge on that like there's not a lot of like depression or anxiety that's going to majorly affect what goes on or even any other mental issues and once you sort of through that process you go back to the doctor or the endocrinologist and we'll get like a blood profile taken and then they start you on the hormone therapy which typically is a medication to block the testosterone, um, at least in male to females, block the testosterone and the effects of it, and also a dose of estrogen to feminize the body and make it look like a woman's body. And how long does that procedure take? Um, it can take years. Oh, sure. How many? Are we um, talking three, five, ten? 
I'm not sure how I've arrived at this number. Like, I sort of research it every now and then, but about two years is kind of... Like, the first two years is when a lot of changes happen. Up to about five years, like, little changes can keep happening. And some of that's dependent on if you have surgery in that time or if you haven't had surgery, because obviously... If you're a male or female, you still have testicles there trying to put out testosterone and you're trying to fight against that process. So the feminization cannot have quite the same effect as if you had the surgery to remove them and you can just have like a dose of estrogen unopposed. Um, but about, I guess, five years is sort of, you know, things are still changing in small ways and then you're probably more or less locked into that body you've achieved by then. Right. And there's definite age component too, like the older you are when you start, the less changes actually happen. Your body kind of masculinizes more and more and um, has less of that sort of youthful ability to just adapt itself to any situation. Mm, that's right. I've, um, I've even heard in some of the uh, Northern European countries are actually talking about trying to identify this pre-puberty yeah. and hold off puberty until they're 18 so yeah. they can make the decision and then they can go through the hormone treatment yeah. so that they end up with a true female body. Definitely. Uh, I think that's a really profound thing for them to do. Yeah. Challenging, you know, to Definitely. get to get 12-year-old kids to make this decision. Mm. Hard work. But yeah. I have heard there are some children out there who just know completely they're in the wrong body. Yeah, definitely. I've seen a few documentaries and stuff. And, you know, from the time these kids can talk, they're telling their parents I'm in the wrong body, yeah. like I need to be a girl. Yeah. And it's, Don't call me him, call me her. Yeah, and it's, you know, even to me it's a slightly bizarre concept, I guess, because I didn't come under that understanding mm. until later, but mm. yeah, it can be pretty radical in That's some right. situations. That's right. How have you found the transition? Like you're, what, 18 months into it, are you? About that, yeah. I guess as far as hormones go, I think I'm at about 15 months. And... I've had a remarkably smooth transition. I haven't had a lot of the issues some people have. There's always issues when you're sort of starting to dress as yourself and failing. You just become this like obvious man in a dress almost. Um, oh, it's not failing as such, but not um, possibly not passing just as feminine as you would like. But sort of after about a year, like my appearance had sort of like feminized a fair bit and. The circumstances in which I was being called he or sir or anything kind of dwindled. Like it still happens occasionally, and I think different people just notice different things. Like if someone perceives broad shoulders equal men, then they're obviously going to think I'm male. But you know, changing. Like I've had my name legally changed, and you can actually get your driver's license, like the M changed to an F if you have a letter from a psychologist. Right. You can't change birth certificates or passports or anything. But I've done all that name change process and updated my details everywhere and everyone was really good about it. Yeah. yeah um, I wonderful. feel like I've almost had it too easy in some aspects. How the physical change has been? Because in a way you've gone through a second puberty, haven't you? Definitely. It's very it very much kind of it's not exactly a it's kind of like an emotional regression almost, I guess. Once you sort of are free to express that identity and you've also got hormones just completely changing your mood like I went through a few months of terrible mood swings while like my body was adjusting to the new hormone levels and you know I thought I knew I possibly knew what a mood swing was when I was a male but it just 
absolutely like fades in comparison to what estrogen can do to the mind. Welcome to PMT, eh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, you know, I was throwing tantrums and stamping my foot and causing a bit of a ruckus for my housemates. And do you now have an insatiable desire for chocolate? Occasionally, yes. <laughs> like, it's cliche, but sometimes you just want to sit around all weekend crying and eating chocolate. And <laughs> it's, it's a bizarre thing, but it happens. Um, oh, that's, that's classic. <laughs> <laughs> and you were never like that before? I guess I had tendencies to that before, but, um, you know, I wasn't so overt, like now sometimes I'll just start crying and it's just so hard to stop, I'll just want to be in the mopes all day and just curl up on the lounge and watch movies and cry and it's yeah. bizarre. Yeah, I imagine a lot of women out there can relate to this. Definitely. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of like physical changes as well, I guess. Um, breasts grow and they can hurt quite a bit, which I wasn't really expecting. Yeah, I think like small changes just like the way the fat distributes around your body and just sort of face changes and at this age at 23 24 mm -hmm. can there be any skeletal change can you um, can your hips broaden like a woman can not at this stage um, I think by the time you're about um, even 18 or 19 I think a lot of your long bones and sort of in that skeleton have kind of sealed off and they don't grow anymore. I think if you go the other way, if you're going female to male, there can be a bit of an effect. Like their bones can kind of lengthen a bit if they haven't quite sealed off properly. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, in terms of male to female, I guess there might be a small effect, but I think it's much more on the musculature supporting the skeleton, okay. the, like the bones themselves. So your skeleton is basically ma masculine. But Essentially, yeah. But your, your muscle tone is feminising. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, which can mostly kind of hide the effects of a masculine skeleton. Sure. It'll soften with a bit more fat yeah. depositing and things like that. Definitely. Do you get strength loss? Um, Does that come definitely. with it? Um, yeah, I, as the bloke working in the sugar mill, you could lift something a lot easier than you can now? Yeah, definitely. Um, and that took a little while to adjust to. Um, that sort of really set in about maybe about six months, or no, even less, might have been just like three or four months after I'd started. And I was working in a supermarket at the time, just doing night film. And say there'd be like a carton of soft drinks that have, you know, like 12 soft drinks in it, so I'd probably weigh about 15 to 18 kilos. And you know, I'd think, oh, no worries, but then almost fall over when I picked it up and just my arms would be screaming. And it, it took a couple of months to adjust to the fact that I'd either have to put a lot more effort into lifting or I guess the things I could lift didn't change just like the stamina like how long I could lift it definitely decreased mm. you know and it's a subtle thing isn't it something that you yeah I've never thought about before but yeah. that's part of the equation are you going to go all the way are you going to um, get the cut and tuck um, at this stage um Possibly not. I've thought about it a lot, and in many ways it makes sense, um, especially in terms of relationships or, you know, even just being able to go to the beach and sort of having that female appearance rather than trying to, like, hide what's there on the board shorts or 
know, or whatever, just have that, you know, almost that like social ease of not having to worry if different things are exposed or whatever. Um, but upon thinking about it all, like, I guess personally, I just don't feel comfortable with that level of surgery. Sure. Um, because it can be quite traumatic, sort of, the rearranging things down there. So, your genitals at the moment, you're, that's who you are? Simple as that? That's how you feel at the moment? How do you mean? Like, well, you know, Laura Rye has a penis. Yeah, that's just the way it is. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's <laughs> like you've got an arm. It's, it's just there. Is kind that, of, Is that the yeah. way you treat it? Yeah, I guess that's the way I tend to look at it. Like, I always try not to think about it. And I guess sometimes I almost forget that it's there. That's my point. That's um, exactly my point. Yeah. It's, just, it's just there. It's irrelevant. It's yeah. I guess it tends to be how it is. Yeah. The people who definitely want to have the cut and tuck, they yeah. would be, I want to be rid of this thing because it is not part of me. Yeah, definitely. You don't feel that way. I feel that way a bit about um, my testicles. Hormonally, having those removed can really help with the transition. Sure. But also, that's, that's probably the one part of myself I've always felt disparate about. I just, like I've never, you know, in all my sort of male living or something, never quite been able to adjust having them. And that's the part I would kind of want removed, but not to the whole extent of having, like, the full genital surgery. Yes, yes, having a penis removed, having a vagina created, all that yeah. sort of thing. That's a huge operation. Definitely. It's amazing they can do it. And there's a lot of um, ongoing maintenance with it too. It's not just the surgery that you can have and then you have a vagina for the rest of your life because a lot of that general tissue they use is very dependent on testosterone to stay the size it is oh. um, which is the same in the case of men and women like the reproductive systems are dependent on those sex hormones to maintain their function and their size and once you remove those sex hormones everything just tends to shrink and atrophy we go back to pre-puberty size so once you've had that surgery and you no longer have those high levels of testosterone and those things tend to shrink so you've got to kind of keep like use what they call dilators which you just kind of insert and they keep everything stretched and I guess it can get to a point after years that you don't have to do it quite so frequently but it's definitely something you have to keep up or it just shrinks. Yeah, but that's not what you're planning at this stage. No, not at this stage. And I guess my mind might change, but at the moment it's well, not something I'm really building towards. Yeah, you're only relatively young at the moment, so see how things progress. What about um, breasts? Like, how, how large do you expect your breasts to grow naturally? Um, yeah. I'm not entirely sure. At the rate I was going, I was thinking about say maybe a B cup, which would have been more than adequate. I get about three months ago now, I actually stopped taking the testosterone blockers because of issues I was having with them. There's like different side effects in the body and I sort of was growing really uncomfortable with having that drug in me, especially in terms of studying health science and sort of knowing specifically what that was doing. And I guess um, it came to a point in my mind where I thought I had to choose between testosterone all these sort of more negative effects which weren't so bad but my mind was building up to such a point that I just couldn't really handle it. Um, I thought I'd go to testosterone so sort of I stopped taking them and made an appointment with the doctor just to discuss what the options were. Um, I've ended up increasing my estrogen dose quite higher which has a similar effect like a high enough estrogen will cut down the testosterone. 
which is just starting to take effect now. And um, like my beard, hair is like slowed down, growing again. And you don't shave anymore. I still shave. I have to shave once a day. Not really. That often. Um, I can probably go a little bit longer, but well, it's sort of it starts to become a bit obvious. Okay. Well, sitting here looking at you, okay. you've got a very feminine skin texture. Okay. You know, like I would yeah. never have figured that there's any shaving going on there at all. And that's one of the wonders of mineral makeup. That's fine. Hey, anything, what, what, whatever works. <laughs> whatever works. Um, yeah, I guess in terms of breasts that we were talking before. Um, like while my testosterone levels had come up during that period, I think it's almost like they shrank a bit. Okay. And that kind of tenderness that they had when they were growing kind of disappeared and well, they, they just weren't growing. became less. Um, well, they became less. Yeah. And you know, they've just started to um, pick up again now and become sort of sore and are starting to grow again. Will you consider augmentation um, implants? I think I'll consider it, but for me personally, breasts are not a huge issue. And I guess with my frame, like I'm quite slender, and huge breasts or larger breasts would almost like not suit that. And I think like they're almost non-existent now to an extent. Well, you know, like I say, you look, you've got a small A cup at the moment. Yeah. Your rib cage is yeah. quite narrow, so a C cup would be, look huge on you. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so that's one of the things I'll consider. Like, you know, I'll give it another year or two just to see what size I would actually come to. But personally, I'm quite happy just with the size there, I think. Okay. It's just um, not a big deal. Not overly, no. And I think I can kind of get away with it just yeah. how skinny I am. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're quite tall. How tall are you? I'm six foot two. Six foot two. Which is 188 centimetres. Yeah. yeah, you're quite tall. Yeah, which is, it can be tall for a man, so it's extra tall for a woman in some cases. That's right, that's right. I've known a, I've known a few six foot two, six foot four women. Yeah. You know, they definitely stand they're out in the crowd. There. Yeah, they're out there. What about love? Love. Love. Love and love. Love and marry. <laughs> <laughs> that's... And, uh, and the, you know, let's, let's be up front. Yeah. What comes with love but sex? That's true, and I guess... Um, that's been one of the big things. Okay, we've just had to relocate to the other room. Where were we? We talked about boobs. We talked about oh, yeah. love, love and marriage. Yes. <laughs> love and marriage and shaggy. <laughs> yeah. So um, how do you feel about the whole love and marriage thing? Um, well, it's obviously something I want. I think it's something everyone works towards. Um, and like it can be a bit depressing at times just considering that like the options are so limited just in terms of who would accept my identity but also my physicality in, in that kind of intimate relationship sense and yeah there are definitely people out there and I think probably more like in the trans community well I guess you know people who are trans or trans friendly who would tend to be there would sort of not have such an issue with it far less chance of just running into someone randomly in a bar or of course you know on a trip and falling madly in love and having this amazing time is sort of it's always on your mind and I guess even when meeting new people it, like you're always trying to gauge whether whether they think you're trans or whether they're just accepting you as female or you know then if you are starting to become intimate with someone you sort of have to consider that sex may or may not be an option or what you know they want and do you have a sex life these days since you started the transition um, not at all I can understand that. You know, it's could be it's come up a couple of times. There have been a couple of people um, 
two women that it sort of almost got to the stage we were sort of saying like you know well, we're kind of into each other like what's going to happen were these, guess, were these ladies le lesbians um they weren't actually okay um which which is probably an issue in itself but it just kind of worked out you know it's just going to be so awkward um having sex with them that it just sort of decided yeah well we just can't really let that happen so we'll just kind of stay good friends and right platonic yeah. relationship i'm going to ask you a really upfront question here okay if you were to have sex would you be the penetrator would you be the masculine would you um, take that masculine role on purely and simply because of the physicalness of you the physicality could you make love with a penis as a woman I've thought about this and I think I could like I guess it would very much depend on the partner and how accepting they were and how I felt about them but I'm certainly not averse um, to using the genitals I have not in a male way if that makes sense and I guess the way I envision it um, you know like penetration may be involved but it would sort of be maybe like slower or just more more intimate rather than just sort of thrusting you know to to have an orgasm or whatever I don't know if that makes any sense at it all makes, no I completely get you where you're coming from like, yeah it, making love sort of almost making love as a woman irrelevant of the genitals yeah that's where I'm coming at um, yeah could you have a relationship with a transgender person who is doing the female to male um, so, so you've got a bloke yeah. with a beard doing the whole testosterone treatment yeah. and he's got a vagina yeah um, I guess there's something I've thought about and like, I guess it depends on who it is but that would almost kind of be an ideal situation if, if they were sort of open to using their genitals as well and like and hadn't got um, like a phalloplasty or had like the female to male surgery yes that could potentially be like um, an amicable enough situation um, yeah it's not something I've even really had exposure to at the moment or really explored so. yeah. well each one of these categories we talk about <laughs> the percentages get smaller and smaller of the population Definitely. like for me I'm you know I'm heterosexual so 50% of the world, 51% of the world's population is potential. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like <laughs> because, of your, because of your dynamic, you're immediately cutting that right back. And then yeah. it gets finer and finer and finer depending yeah. on criteria. Yeah. Um, and I guess, like, I wouldn't restrict it to just women. Not that I'm particularly attracted to men, but I sort of decided when I transitioned like it wouldn't make sense to limit that as an option like I'm changing my identity so much and forming this whole new set of rules for myself like just because I had always liked women in the past I wasn't just going to label myself a trans lesbian and immediately try and follow that path as much as possible so a masculine male who loves you and adores you but you know what happens to be swinging between your legs is irrelevant yeah would be fine too Possibly, yeah. yeah. Maybe if he was bi-friendly, there is that could, work, could make yeah. it easier. Yeah. Um, I guess the hard part is 
um, which tends to know it even more is finding someone who is more into the identity than like the sex. Like there's this whole issue with male to female transsexuals and like this sort of section of the population that finds it like this real sort of sexual turn on to be with someone and that's you know like the kind of people they go for and um, I think I mentioned before like sex is often like the least relevant thing when I'm seeking a relationship I sort of want to be with someone not just form like this vague connection around like sexual connection. Ultimately we fall in love with people don't we? And yeah. these people have sex. So Definitely. so it's part of the relationship, yeah. but it's not the relationship. So, yeah, so it, has, it just yeah, it tends to be like a greater proportion of people who would be attracted to trans people more for their physicality than the identity. Yes, yes. As such. So here you are on this extraordinary journey. I just I just find it extraordinary. How does it evolve from here? I guess the next step I kind of want to take would be um, the orchiectomy, which is the removal of the testicles, um, which is kind of like the progression I'm looking at in the imminent future in the next year or two. And from there, I guess I would just kind of go about living my life however I could. Like, it would still be there, I'd still know I was trans, and it would be, you know, like this male side would still be 23 years of my history. But it would sort of be less about transitioning and doing all that and just more about just being and sort of having already developed that identity. One thing I noticed a lot already is, you know, there are traits in you that are masculine. Everybody knows that. You're very comfortable with yourself. And it appears to me that your physical appearance is secondary to the way your mind is. I can get quite stressed out about the way I appear. Um, and that's growing less, I guess, because my appearance is becoming quite feminine, sort of to the point where I don't worry about it so much. The way people perceive me is this kind of like tall, sort of perhaps partly masculine, partly feminine being is, you know, it doesn't sit like too badly in my mind. Mm. And I guess as I began transition, I thought like it wouldn't make sense to just cut off everything from my past and just try and focus on only being a woman. And I guess like I read a lot of stories of people who had transitioned and like they call it going stealth. So no one knows they ever used to be male, they only know them as a woman and you know they might move cities and make whole new friends or swear all their current friends to secrecy and build these new lives. But like the way I saw it, that was just as stressful as before I transitioned, like, you know, instead of being male and hiding a female identity, you become female but suppress your male identity, which can have as many issues as the former. So I thought, you know, like, I don't have to go around blabbing to everyone I meet that I used to be a male, but it's not something I particularly hide if it comes up. And does it come up from time to time? It can, yeah, I guess because I'm so open about it, sometimes people will just talk about it. So you've had people sitting on the bus basically say, hey, you're transsexual. Um, It's happened a couple of times, more when I was beginning and less so now that um, it's sort of less obvious that I used to be now. Sometimes I'll be at parties and stuff and meeting new people and 
like the people already know who are there know I'm trans and sometimes I'll mention it and then people might find out or and it's it's kind of a freedom in a way not to have to have that weight over me of having to think like well like you know I can only be female and trying to impress on my friends that they never refer to on the outside it's good just being able to be open as having it like as an aspect of myself and not not like a polar opposite to what I am now just as like a foundation of what I am now it's part of the story this yeah. is this is who Lorelei is definitely there were 23 years of this life and there is this yeah. life and it's all interwoven and it's no big yeah. deal and that's just the way it is. Definitely. Yeah, I've got breasts and I've got a penis. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, something like that. Come see, come sir. <laughs> okay, so if anybody was to come to the site and actually listen to this, is there anything you'd like to say to them, Laura? Mostly just, I guess, the stage I'm at now is kind of the end of the really hard part. And like starting transition is incredibly stressful and there's a lot that goes on but if you can kind of stick it out then it becomes really good once those memories fade a bit. Oh, it's not so bad. And I think personally I think just don't take it too seriously. Um, I guess like have a bit of fun with it and still engage with that male side at times and bring your deep voice out at parties or whatever like. That's, yeah, like, just don't stress about not being feminine enough. Just, if you've got a good group of friends, then just be. What a wonderful way to wrap that up. <laughs> if people want to find you, you've got a blog. How can I they do, find you? Yes. That would be everquestingmind.wordpress.com. And if they wanted to get hold of you, is there a mechanism to get hold of you? There's a contact page on the site. Thanks, thanks for coming on your story, no, Lorelai. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thanks.